welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping product managers become product masters. Listen and get ready to take your career to the next level for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where you make your move from product manager to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products that customers love. I've been having a great opportunity talking to product managers and others about creating products that customers love because I'm still on my road trip of the northeast of the U.S. And I made a stop in Bristolboro, Pennsylvania. What took me there to the small town was a video series called The Small Business Revolution. This is a reality show where small businesses and small towns get help from business experts. And I've become a bit of a groupie visiting each town where the series has been made. Season 3 was just launched, and you can find it along with the previous seasons on Hulu or at smallbusinessrevolution.org. Product managers and innovators are the heroes of companies, creating products that customers love, and in turn generating revenue that pushes the economy forward. That's what being an everyday innovator is all about. And small business owners are the heroes of small towns. I love the stories that this video show examines. And the story behind its creation also has good lessons for everyday innovators. The show is produced by Deluxe Corp, and I caught up with the VP of Public Relations, Cam Potts, to discuss the making of the show. You'll find the summary of our discussion at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 197. The discussion just might give you some ideas for better promoting your products or perhaps working on a side project where you are the business owner. I hope you enjoy it. Cam, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Oh, thanks for having me. This is, a, this is a great pleasure. Well, we get to talk about one of my favorite topics and also shows, which is the small business revolution. Why don't you give us a description of what that is? Sure. Um, well, the small business revolution uh, is in its third season. It's, um, it's, it's a reality show, a makeover show um, where um, we, uh, Deluxe Corporation, goes into one small town in America and we give them a $500,000 makeover. Um, we invite the general public to nominate their favorite small towns, uh, which they can actually do right now through the 26th of October um, for the chance of being a finalist. And um, the public gets to vote on which town wins our, our contest. And then what we do is we go in and um, to that community and we do an eight part web series where we capture the makeover of six businesses and the community Everything from their uh, the businesses marketing, where, which is what Deluxe Corporation does, so their emails, their websites, logos, to physical changes to the businesses themselves. We we come in with a crew and we make over the business, and so it's you know really inspirational um, and and just a, you know a great opportunity to see real business owners who are struggling and how they can. Um, find their way anew uh, by having a little bit of a, a boost from uh, from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's made a huge difference to the small businesses. As we've chatted some, I became kind of a groupie, and I am <laughs> ma- dragging my family to each of the small towns where you guys have been, and we'll go through those in a bit. You did mention that America can now nominate small towns for this. Where do they do that? Well, they go uh, directly to our website, which is uh, smallbusinessrevolution.org. And there is uh, right on the top on the main screen, there is a nominate now button uh, up on the, uh, the top right. So folks can can click on there. It's a really simple form. Um, we've gotten over the course of the 
the three years of the contest, uh, well over 30,000 nominations for small towns. And, and once you nominate, um, there, you, those towns will get a second form to say, can you tell us a little bit more about it? It's, it's really, you know, what, what do people love about small towns? Mm-hmm. Um, tell us why your community deserves this opportunity. Um, and we, you know, we, we look at small towns as the, you know, uh, government definition, which is about 50,000 or less. Uh, people wise. And um, so, you know, any, anybody can nominate their town. You don't have to live there. It could be where you used to live, uh, but it could be where you are right now. And um, it's a, just a great opportunity for us to share what's not only great about small towns, but to lift up the small businesses. Like small businesses are really the lifeblood of their small town. Yep. Uh, we all know um, manufacturing, big manufacturing and, and industry has kind of moved out of the small towns for the most part. So, uh, so small businesses are really sustaining them these days. Yeah. Uh, they are small America towns, right? And, and these towns would not exist if there weren't small businesses there. So it's such a great show to look at and see what you guys are doing there. And for people that nominate, my home is Colorado, and I have been driving across <laughs> the U.S. to visit the towns that have won so far. But So please, find one in Colorado or somewhere around Colorado. That would be great. I would appreciate that. We, we, need, we need something in the West here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Chad, it's funny you say that because uh, we're going to have a short video coming out soon where my colleague Julie and I, um, we were putting up a tent in Alton to help one of the businesses and uh, all three seasons that we've done this, it's usually we're working in the summer and we're in the Midwest or the East coast. And it's usually 95 degrees outside when we're working. So we, we would love something in Colorado that, or, or the, the West that maybe a little bit more climate control. <laughs> Absolutely. Low humidity. That's just great. And you're the PR director there at deluxe corporation and there has to be some connection here. So tell us, how did SBR actually begin? Because looking at, you know, from this from the outside, I assume there was something here to do about a, a branding move, but how you wanted people to think about Deluxe Corp. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so I started here four years ago, and I, I'm one of those stories where my boss, Amanda Brinkman, who's also Deluxe's chief brand and communications officer, and she's the host of the show, <clears throat> She, um, she found me on LinkedIn and, um, you know, I went in to interview and she said, I have this vision of what I want to do with Deluxe and I want to tell small business stories and I want you to come on and be our, you know, the vice president of public relations for Deluxe. And so it did start as a branding campaign in 2015, uh, Deluxe celebrated its hundredth anniversary. And our campaign was to tell 100 small business stories from across the U.S. as a way of celebrating Deluxe's 100th anniversary. We wanted to shine a spotlight on the businesses that make the U.S. great mm-hmm. on ourselves. So Deluxe is a, we're a 100-year-old company known as a check printer. Our founder, W.R. Hotchkiss, in 1915 invented the checkbook. And ever since, we've been known as a printer and a check printer, mm-hmm. but we everything for small businesses from website development to emails to payroll to uh, logos to social media, anything a small business owner needs. But we weren't known for that. So our branding campaign became, let's simply start telling people that we do small business work. So in 2015, our first year, we went around the country and we did 100 small business stories. Uh, 12 were photo essays about you know anywhere from six to 12 minute long. And then 88, oh, I'm sorry, 12 were videos. Mm-hmm. 
88 were photo essays. And then we also did one full-length 30-minute documentary about how small businesses really help the the country. And we used people like the small business administrator uh, was was interviewed. We had a Harvard um, professor of economics interviewed. We used people from the SCORE Foundation. So we talked to real folks who understand small businesses along with small business owners about just what is important about how how amazing small businesses are. And so that that was really the impetus behind the small business revolution. And I love the story, right? And how it grew out of that 100-year anniversary, the celebration of small businesses and spotlighting them, and then kind of taking that to the next step and going into a town and doing this video series on how you're transforming the small businesses. And to me, that's so much more powerful than just saying, you know, the small business, you're transforming the lives of the people, just like the product managers who are listening I know many product managers already have something going on inside, aspirations of a startup to create or a small business to run with, and you know want to make that happen. And seeing how the lives of the people involved in those small businesses, the owners and their families, uh, how they've been impacted through the experience uh, is just amazing to see. Yeah, to that end, you know, we so once we finished that first year, we uh, as a team we got together and said. So what do we do? Do we tell 101 stories for 101st year? Uh, and and that didn't really make sense. And so we were just riffing as a as a product as a brand team, saying you know what's next. And we started thinking that you know the video stories that we told were super powerful because they were from the small business owner's point of view. Mm-hmm. And so we said, well, can we go around the country and and just tell longer stories? And then it kind of came down to what if we just did this on one main street in one town? And that's where the contest idea came from. That just as a team, we said the biggest impact we could make would be helping revitalize a main street. And that's where, you know, we, we came up with the contest idea. Um, and that first year, we started making our own lists of small towns that we liked because we didn't know how many nominations we were going to get. We thought, you know, maybe we'll get a couple of dozen. Do people really want to nominate their small town? And we ended up with 10,000 nominations that first year. Excellent. And it's making such a great impact. And for everyday innovators listening, there are really good lessons here for us in terms of brand management and reframing and building a community for your own research. And I've interviewed uh, Amanda Brinkman, the co-host of the show, and, and as, as you, you said, Cam, the, kind of the brainchild behind this originally, and we talked about some of those. So I'll include a link in the show notes here to that episode as well. I just want to kind of have fun and talk through the, the seasons here and let, let people get a feeling of this, sure. and hopefully they'll go check it out too. Well, let's uh, start with season one. That was in Wabash, Indiana. The co-hosts were Amanda Brinkman, you know, your brand executive there at Deluxe, and then Robert Herchevac, who is known from Shark Tank often known as the nice shark, and I think everyone everyone loves Robert. And when we visited Wabash, I was struck by how many people talked about how genuine both Robert and Amanda were, right? And how caring they were, and how much they wanted to see people succeed. And that genuineness was a message I heard over and over. What are some of your favorite parts of that season that listeners should uh, you know make sure they check out? Yeah, you know, that was such a great... Uh, a great first step for us because um, as a team, you know, a lot of us hadn't done anything of that scale before. And in Wabash in particular, we ended up spending, you know, probably 20 to 24 days over the course of the summer 
So spending that much time in a town of 10,000 people, we, we made great friendships because we were just immersed in the, in the town. Um, so that, you know, that's one, that's one thing I remember, but the, the episodes themselves, like these, what's really compelling about Wabash is that like, we had a great variety of businesses from folks who had just opened up a kind of a consignment art uh, center where the owner, Maria, uh, her dream was to help artists in, in the community be sustainable. And she wanted to sell their, their goods um, in her shop. And she and her husband had moved back to Wabash. Um, they, they, they had this dream of this, this store. And yet this is one of the most compelling episodes with Robert and Amanda in that they, they saw just how passionate she was about it, but she didn't have the business background to know how, how, how should I um, price my goods? Because they're not hers, right? Like she was taking these from artists. She was letting the artists decide what the price should be. She had all the overhead. She had all the risk. And, and Robert was really as not, as much as he's the nice shark, he was pretty blunt with her mm-hmm. saying, you're going to go business if you don't change. Right. And I think so many of the business owners there really took to heart, not only our advice, but Robert's because they, they could see that he cared about them. Like he's working normally on Shark Tank, he's working with, um, entrepreneurs who are trying to scale to such a large degree. And here, these mom and pop shops are just trying to survive. Mm-hmm. But that was a completely, you know, kind of a different vibe. And and to us, what really stands out is just these business owners are thriving and then we gave them a new look, a new lease on life and they took it to another level. That's what you can really see from this. Yeah, and I visited her shop. They have the eclectic shop. Yeah, the eclectic shop, exactly. And yeah. it's such a great store, you know, for coming and just discovering original art in all kinds of forms and just interesting things. And, you know, from mugs to paintings to pins and lamps and, you know, all kinds of things in this little space. You know, Chad, the other thing too about that I always remember about Wabash is that of the six businesses, like one was a legacy business, uh, Schlemmer Brothers, where mm-hmm. it's, you know, fourth generation family. But the other five businesses were all, the, the owners did something else before they decided to get into owning a small business. You know, Filament Tattoo, uh, the owner was, a, was an evangelical pastor mm-hmm. before he opened a tattoo shop. You know, Maria and her husband had lived over in, in, in um, Asia where he was in manufacturing and they moved back and they opened this. Um, you know, Harry from Harry's Old Kettle, he's a chef, but he worked elsewhere before he bought this place. So they all kind of got into this because it was their dream. And what we found with the dreams is that they kind of get in, a lot of small business owners get in over their head and they don't know how to get out from under that that kind of dream scenario to how do I make this thrive? Right. And that I think was, was really the, the, the crux of that first issue that first season is they get advice from us on, okay, I got to look at this differently. I got to market differently. I've got to position myself differently um, and I've got to live it. And that's really what comes through. Like the, none of this is scripted. These are, business owners who are just living day to day. Yeah, it is a reality show. They're just sharing their hearts and struggles. Yeah. What Robert shares applies to businesses across the board. There are, you know, billion dollar brands who do a terrible job expressing what they actually do, right? A lot of the fundamentals apply regardless of the size or type of business that you're in. 
and the lessons that are learned just by watching the episodes, the advice that is shared and the struggles that they're dealing with impact all kinds of businesses. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think that that's what they appreciated. You know, your original question about, you know, connecting with Amanda and with Robert is that Amanda and Robert spent time with these folks. It wasn't just a come in, sit down, let's talk for five minutes and then leave. You know, they, they really got to know their business. They were hands-on. They got to do certain things in each, in each business. And so they had an understanding of what the, these business owners were going through. And, and just spending time in the small town, you get to see the, the camaraderie within the community that they all feel and share. And, and it was just impossible not to kind of fall in love with Yeah. And as I have talked to the business owners that were on the show, they're all very thankful about the experience and the people they met and the and now the network that they have that they didn't have before, right? They're now part of a community, at least the those that were in the experience, the six businesses, where they now have people to talk to and share their struggles. And in every case, I have found out that they've expanded that beyond to help other businesses also in their town. They're, they're carrying it forward. And, and, they, and they really have. That That was the f- really for us, for Deluxe, the first um, real learning from being in Wabash is that here's a town, businesses are all kind of close together within proximity, mm-hmm. but they didn't really know each other. They didn't really interact. Right. And they they took this opportunity and ran with it. And the other thing about any small town is you have to have a community leader um, who is is very well connected and will will make sure that things thrive there. And, and in Wabash, we were blessed to have Christine Floor, who runs the um, the tourism, the Wabash uh, County tourism there, and, and she just took this and ran with it and made sure that these businesses knew to have a better connection and and how can she leverage the show and talk about Wabash and, and get them together. So having folks like that who really kind of know how to leverage um, an opportunity like this was was outstanding. It takes several different sort of people involved. Great opportunity for, for not just those on the show, but overflowing to other businesses there too. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute. This episode of The Everyday Innovator is brought to you by Product Innovation Educators, your one place for online training to make the move from product manager to product master. When you enroll in one of our online courses, it's like having Chad McAllister as your personal coach. In each course, you get video lessons, added resources, and a private community for collaboration with other product managers and innovators. And, of course, you get direct access to Chad, who will answer your questions and get you heading in the right direction. Past students tell us the concepts, practices, and tools are valuable, but the real benefits they gain are being more confident, increasing their influence in their organization, and generating greater success for themselves and their company. There are four levels of training to become a product master. Find your level now. Get started by going to the everydayinnovator.com forward slash master. You're one place to become a product master. The everydayinnovator.com forward slash master. Don't wait. Get started now. Let's move on to season two, which was uh, Bristol Burl, yes. which I had the opportunity to visit here recently and meet some of the great people that were in the show and others there too. What are the key lessons that you learned from helping those businesses? One of the key learnings that we, we took from year one to year two 
was in in having um, experts in the field of each of the businesses um, that we brought then into into Bristol. Um, in year one, it was Amanda and uh, Robert dealing with each business, but there were some nuances to um, how to you know we aren't experts in in restaurant management or. Um, in running a retail shop, we're experts in marketing. Robert's an expert in in you know, kind of the business side of things, mm-hmm. um, but we felt there was a real need to then come in and say we're going to bring this person in who's going to give you expertise in your particular area. So, for example, Hems Truckinato, a a great family uh, husband and wife owned business in Bristol, um, but they were you know they were kind of living day to day. They um, weren't, weren't running their books properly. They weren't marketing themselves properly. So they were, they were struggling. And so we brought in an expert um, uh, in, in the automotive industry who challenged them because it, it, she challenged them in a way that we could not. Um, we could challenge them in, you know, run your books better. Here's, here's better marketing. Here's a better logo. But she came in and said, look, you got to clean up your place. You've got to be a more professional um, attitude. You've got to have uniforms. Um, you can't have, you know, dogs and your children running around in, in the place where we're, where, where you're doing the work, you know, just little things like that, that coming from an expert in that field made such a huge difference. And we made sure we did that in each one of the episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people you got involved, I looked at some of their bios of the, those experts that you brought in each case, whether it be someone in the automotive space or barbershop or, you know, restaurant, whatever the case was really good people that had had experience to share. And I'm sure that made a difference to the business owners hearing from someone who had lived their, their path before. Right. Yes, exactly. You know, um, uh, the, the Italian restaurant that we, we worked with Annabella's, um, you know, when we first got to Bristol and we were just kind of scouting it out and they weren't, they hadn't even won the contest yet. We ate there and we were blown away by the food. Um, but we also talked to the owner chef, Bobby Angelaccio, and, you know, you could just tell he was uh, a little bit, you know, he was tired and, and, and running a small business can be exhausting. Mm-hmm. And, um, his, he had kind of lost a little bit of his passion. And so when he, his business was chosen, we brought in Kim Bartman, who runs a series of restaurants here in the Twin Cities. And she's been a James Beard Award finalist. And she just went in and challenged him and said, you know, you've got great food, but you got to pare down your, your menu. You've got to think about doing this. Uh, he had a huge pizza oven that wasn't making any money. She's like, get rid of it. And, and she was able to kind of light his fire again while we did all the other things that, that built up his business. And now coming back a year later, they, they, they've doubled their business. Like they're busy every night, the days when they were sort of slow, um, when we were first there, they said, no, it doesn't happen anymore. Like they're, they're just thriving because he rekindled his love because of what we did and what Kim was able to help. Yeah. It's that combination. You gave him really good advice. It, it's that combination of giving them, I think, new hope and actionable information. And obviously the, the marketing doesn't hurt either, right? That's why we went all the way to Bristolboro from Colorado to, to <laughs> see some of these businesses. And just a quick shout out for him, auto and truck, Megan and Roland there. Absolutely fantastic. We uh, took our truck as we're out RVing along the way, pulling a trailer, took our truck there, and they did all kinds of great things on it. Such wonderful people, high integrity, love them. And if you need work done, go to Hims because it's a good place in Bristol Borough. And I, I just love meeting the people. I got my haircut from Miguel, who was on the show, Miguel's Riverside Barber. 
And he was just such a pleasure to talk to about his experience and how it really gave him more confidence to to keep doing this. And his store was, was nonstop busy. I was there for an hour getting my haircut, best haircut I've ever had in my life. People were coming in all the time. Yeah. And, you know, Miguel was uh, of the business owners who we worked with. He was one of the most reluctant because, you know, he's, he's kind of an understated guy. He doesn't Mm -hmm. like the spotlight as much. And, you know, with all of these, you know, the first two seasons that we're talking about right now, these business owners are opening up their lives and they're, they're telling us intimate details about how they're running a business and if it's, if it's failing or if it's successful. And that's not easy for anybody to admit, especially, you know, a business owner who's got their livelihood tied up into in, into what they're doing. And somebody like Miguel, like he let himself be vulnerable and it came through. And I'll say all the episodes that we, the first two years, his is the most viewed because I think people really have um, uh, resonated with what he was going through and who he is. Yeah. Everyone, you got to check that one out. It's in uh, season two and I'm going to try to find the episode real quick. It's episode Three in season two, we'll tell you where that is here at the end too. But yeah, he, he was really vulnerable. And as I talked to him just about the experience, you know, there's one moment in the show where he lost his lease, right? That you guys have started doing the build out on this space that he was emotionally attached to because of, of the history that you'll see about on the space. And a new landlord came, they, they bought the building and he, he lost the opportunity to be in there. And that was a really tough moment for him. Well, exactly. And he, you know, he got a new landlord and the landlord, you know, rightfully went to him and said, you know, I'm, I'm increasing your rent. And, and Miguel was honest saying, I can't afford that. Uh, I, I don't know what to do. And it, you know, part of it, it, it's, it's luck on his part that we were there helping him. We could afford to tell him, like he, he was able to find a new space. Um, actually the, uh, the the president of the the local city council um, also had a building that was uh, empty and he offered it to Miguel at a rent he could afford and we were able to say you know what all the money that we were going to put into retrofitting your place we're going to build this place out for you so it was serendipitous for him but what, what's really interesting Chad is like right now um, we've also put out a back to Bristol episode it's a shorter 20 minute episode um, on our website. Uh, smallbusinessrevolution.org and on Hulu. Mm-hmm. And Miguel at the end of the episode says to us, you know, the thing that shocked me the most was just how many people in this community cared about what I was going through. And so it wasn't just that he was on camera. It was that people stepped up to help him to save his business because he, he if he couldn't afford that rent and if he didn't find another place, he would have gone out of business. And, and that would have been a loss to the community. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing, and I'm sure this was true in Wabash too, it sounded like that the community, these are small business, small towns, right? Everyone knows everyone. Yes. And there is a lot of support, a lot of eagerness to help each other, right? Just just to make it. Yes, exactly. Okay, so let's move on to season three. This one just came out a few days ago, and you are in uh, Alton near St. Louis, Missouri. Tell us about season three, what we can expect from that. So season three is is a real um, kind of departure from the first two years in that Alton is uh, probably almost three times the size of the first two communities. So it's nearly 30,000 people. Um, both Bristol Borough and Wabash were about 10,000. Mm. So it, it, this is a small town. It's a small community, but it's uh, its footprint is a lot bigger. And we 
we've said all along, um, you know, part of the show is to go into a, uh, a small town and revitalize Main Street. Well, when we got to Alton, Main Street is more than one place. Um, Alton is a, a community in which uh, a number of towns came together through annexation. So they have uh, a Main Street near the, the uh, Mississippi River. They have a Main Street in what's considered Upper Alton. They have a Main Street in North Alton. So we decided instead of just focusing on, you know, maybe a two block radius like we've done the first two years, we, we opened this up to everybody, any small business in town and said, if there's a business in a community, that's a main street. And so um, that, that really became the, the bigger challenge for us. And then the, the, the second piece um, that we really learned from this year is that the business owners themselves um, are, are not only dealing with how to run their business, but uh, you know, the, the, the consequences were a lot more dire. Like we heard at least one business that said, if we hadn't come in, they were going to close their doors. Mm. Uh, another business talks about um, uh, how his connection to the community is almost as important as running his business. And so those are the things It just seems that the, the stakes were raised a little bit this year. Mm. And it's a, a different location that the town has a, Riverfront, which is quite nice, and then kind of the little main square. And as this show just came out, I haven't looked yet to see who all, all the winners were. I will make it there after, uh, you know, probably next summer, actually. But I had the opportunity to go through Alton right after you guys. It was two weeks after the six winners were selected and got a chance to talk okay. talk to some of the businesses there that were not selected and others, too, and get to experience the town a bit. And I'm really looking forward to what we learned from watching uh, season three as well. The other change that we've done this year is that um, we've changed co-hosts. So in season three, um, we're, we're working with Ty Pennington. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we loved working with Robert and uh, we um, this year wanted to change things up a little bit and Ty was available and he brings a real energy and a real enthusiasm to the episodes um, that you know really, really comes out um, because he, it's a different focus. Robert, gave such amazing business advice and Ty is there as um, you know, talking about renovations and and more about really celebrating these businesses. Mm-hmm. And, and this. Yeah. T- Ty is wonderful. I, I think most of us know him from extreme makeover. Uh, he was on different design shows too, but extreme makeover where they came in and, you know, built a house in, in one week. That was just amazing. And his energy is hard to compete with. And he's such a down-to-earth guy. And I, I talked to one person, you guys had wrapped up the filming for the show. The last night you were in the tavern and he was at the bar pouring drinks for everyone. Yeah, he, he you know, and that, well, so that's one of the businesses that won. So that's Morrison's Irish Pub and um, the, the, a phenomenal episode. And 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 that one, that story itself, that, that was the one, it's owned by three women who um, their dream was to open an Irish pub. If you walk in there on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, the place is packed. It's 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 people are having a great time. It's super authentic, um, but you don't see the downtimes um, on Tuesdays in the afternoon when there's nobody there, and mm-hmm. that was really what they were were struggling with. So um, we, I love this episode. I mean, I I have Irish heritage. I love the Irish pub. Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, Ty, uh, last day of filming, he was there, he was having a blast. He was pouring beers for people. And, and, I, it, you know, it's always fun to be 
part of something like this where you watch people walk in who don't really know what's going on and they see a celebrity behind the bar pouring beers and the look on their face is just hilarious. What a great experience to be part of. And all this could be found, make sure listeners know, it debuted on Hulu, so you can find all the episodes on Hulu and smallbusinessrevolution.com. Are those are our two best dot, dot org. Oh, dot org, org. Um, because I've used dot com and dot com redirects okay. It does, yeah, but it's dot org. And then you can also find them uh, if you just look for the episodes on YouTube as well. Okay. So easy to get to. Just search for small business revolution and you'll, it will come up. I know I discovered it first on Hulu and checked it out and uh, was delighted I did. Throughout your involvement with the Small Business Revolution, I'm interested in in what surprised you, right? What did you personally kind of discover and have taken away from this so far? One of the things that I've discovered that I I, I just didn't really realize about small business owners is kind of the the lack of financial awareness a lot of folks have. So um, for me, my father owned a small business for 30 years and he, he didn't, you know, he didn't he didn't make a million dollars or anything like that, but he was, you know, he, he provided a great living for his family. And I probably didn't know a lot of the behind the scenes things that, that he struggled with as a business owner. And I Mm. now seeing these, these small business owners and seeing how, you know, a lot of them don't take paychecks um, because they're not making enough money day to day. They, Many of them have second jobs where they, they're working a full-time job and then they're also working at a small business. And those were the things that have really surprised me. And the, the other thing from a marketing standpoint, working for a company that does websites, I'm blown away in 2018 that we go to a business and they say, oh, yeah, I don't have a website. I've never had a website. Like, how do you not have a website? It's the first thing people check right. when they want to learn about a business. You know, it, it's just it's table stakes sometimes that I'm, I'm shocked that you know businesses are able to function without some of these things one of the things that i enjoy so much too about this and the same is true for product managers that we tend to get isolated these business owners tend to get isolated some of it is they might know they should have things like the website and they're kind of embarrassed they don't and they just don't have the time and the money to get there and figure it out yeah. and sometimes they simply don't know what they don't know and just by bringing the people together, the the opportunity for small business owners to interact and share their struggles and get some help from others, or at least just know they're not alone. Like, oh, you've had that problem too with your website. Yeah, I, you know, that just is so helpful. Product managers, we share the same thing. We tend to be kind of isolated in the opportunities to get together at meetups and community. We all have the same sort of problems and we can help each other, you know, think through it some. It's really, it's a, a great benefit of that community. Absolutely. You know, like one example that I think of is from season one with Matt Haynes, the owner of Filament Tattoo. Mm-hmm. You know, Matt is a natural marketer. He's a natural storyteller. He he opened his tattoo parlor and immediately, you know, used social media and created a great website. And, and or actually, no, he didn't create a great website. He, he had social media. Um, and he was doing a, a very good job of, of getting to the folks who, you know, would, would want a tattoo and, and making himself known. But when we sat down with him and we said, okay, well, where are people getting inspiration? Um, and he said, well, you know, a lot of this comes from Pinterest. Um, you know, you, folks come in and say, I saw this great tattoo or I, I've been, I've been searching on Pinterest. And we asked him, well, are you putting your things on Pinterest? Are you, do you, have you opened up your own page? And he said, no. And, and to me, I was like, okay, here's this guy. He's got this great business. He's, 
He's making it work. He knows how to use social media. He's telling us that he gets his clients come in and they've all looked on, on this one social media platform, but he's not on mm-hmm. it. And, and it's those sort of revelations that you want to say, you know, man, this, this is your, this is your avenue. You should be going down this avenue. Right. Yeah, we all get too close to our own stuff. We, we need someone else to look at it. For, we, we lose perspective easy enough. Yes. I'm curious about the advantages this has provided Deluxe. It was, it was in part created to celebrate Deluxe's 100 years and then kind of has evolved to that, celebrating the small businesses through these shows. Uh, how has this effort, because it hasn't been inexpensive for Deluxe to take on, how has it uh, helped Deluxe Corporation? Well, first and foremost, it's raised awareness about what Deluxe does in the small business space. And um, we, when we started this, Deluxe had less than 1% name recognition in the small business space. So, you know, we, we joke about maybe we couldn't go down anywhere, but, um, you know, we had a lot, of, a lot of leeway to go up in, in name recognition. So the first few years of this campaign were strictly about getting people to understand that we play in this space. Um, because we're known as a check printer and people don't think of us for all of the things that we do. And secondly, um, we also compete against companies like GoDaddy and Constant Contact and Vistaprint and MailChimp, all of which spend, you know, tens of millions of dollars on, you know, commercial advertising, mm-hmm. which don't have the luxury of doing that. So the campaign itself and a lot of where I come in from a public relations standpoint is we're trying to use the show to, to gain media interest about who we are. And we've been remarkably successful in the, the years that we've been doing this. We've had nearly 3000 media stories told and well over 3 billion media impressions about, about deluxe. So we start getting the, the, the conversation going uh, about who we are and, and what we're doing. And now the next benefit is we're taking all of this great work that we've done with these businesses. And we put them into case studies that we share on our, small business resource center on deluxe.com where if you're a small business owner and you've seen the show, you're intrigued by it and you want some tangible benefits, you come and learn from, from us. And then um, it it, it is able to translate into um, uh, sales for us as we, as we go forward. And then the last thing I'll say too, is that this has been a remarkable employee engagement effort as well. You know, people are so proud of the work we're doing because it's, very altruistic. You know, we're, we, we are very much in wanting to help these towns and these businesses. We want to see them thrive. Yes. We want uh, to make sure that, that deluxe is, is part of the, the show, but it's, it's, it's much more about um, really how do we do good work in, in, in the communities that we serve. And if it wasn't for that authentic attitude that just comes through in the episodes, and if you have the opportunity to interact with these small business owners in person, wow, it just shouts loud and clear when they talk about the experience they had with you guys. A lot of businesses are involved in some type of corporate social responsibility, but we often question, right, how sincere is that really, right? Yeah. Uh, Why are they doing it? Somehow, Cam, between you and Amanda and the others involved, it's just, it's wanting to help people. And sure, it's good for Deluxe, but it's uh, an authentic effort to help small business owners and, and help small towns in America that makes this work so well. And if that authenticness wasn't there, you wouldn't have had those advantages you just talked about. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And we do take a lot of pride in talking about how authentic this is, because 
you know, we, we're not trying to pretend we're something different and, and the small business owners aren't trying to pretend, you know, we, we don't go in and script them and say, Hey, can you do this shot again and look a little more surprised? You know, it's, it's what you see is what you get. And that's what we really love about it. Yeah. It's very well done. As listeners know, I love an innovation quote and uh, I like getting quotes from our guests. Do you have a quote for us? And also tell us uh, what that one means to you. So from Alan Kay, who's a computer scientist, uh, I like this one. The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Mm. And I, I look at that more so from my own kind of career. Like I, I've jumped to do a lot of different things. I have a journalism background. I got into PR, you know, I got lucky to fall into this. And I, I tell people all the time that for me personally, I can't imagine, you know, 10 years ago that I'd be working on a show of this magnitude and, and, and impacting people's lives and, and having a small role where, you know, I get to be on camera a little bit um, and, and do what I do from a PR standpoint. So I, I think being able to just be aggressive in careers, in small business owners wanting to do what um, they love to do, like inventing your future is really important. I love the quote, and it's a great way to have control over the future and what small business owners are trying to do, right? To have a little bit more control in their lives. Um, and serve customers uh, well in the process. Love, again, what you guys are doing with Small Business Revolution there at Deluxe Corporation. I've enjoyed so much meeting the businesses and learning more about the communities, visiting these towns. How can listeners find out more about the Small Business Revolution and watch the videos? First and foremost, they can go to smallbusinessrevolution.org. Um, all three seasons, uh, including three episodes or two episodes of um, you know going back to Bristol and one going back to Wabash are all on there. Uh, you can go to Hulu uh, and see all the episodes and on YouTube. And the other thing people can do if they want to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we share a lot of bonus content, behind the scenes content, some bloopers uh, every once in a while, all of that gets shared on our social media channel. So it's more fun things that you can see. And then if folks want to kind of learn a little bit about the behind the scenes of the work that we did more in depth, uh, they can go to deluxe.com and check out our resource page. Excellent. Thanks for sharing those resources. I'll make sure they all get in the show notes. And Cam, thank you so much. First, just for your involvement with this, helping Small Business Revolution being such the success it is and making a difference in these owners' lives. It's just incredible. And thanks for your time telling us about it. Thanks, Chad. I really appreciate it. Uh, we, we love talking about this, and, and uh, I, I really appreciate being part of your show. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you felt inspired by some of the stories, and I hope you check out the video series yourself. You can do that at smallbusinessrevolution.org. This is The Everyday Innovator, where you make your move from product manager to product master, gaining the influence and confidence you need to create products customers love. You'll find the written notes of our discussion with Cam at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 197 keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit our blog at theeverydayinnovator.com.